Here's the 2 1. That's hit in the air to right. Tavares off the bench and it's tied. That swing chases Machi. And Tavares, who had only three home runs in over 230 at bats in the big leagues, takes a curtain call here in the seventh inning of game two. All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Prospect to be Named Later. I'm Colin Garner, now at Cardinals Conclave. Instead of Ripper Daily, I'm joined tonight by Kyle Reese of Birds on the Black. So, what we basically right now, in the last week, there's not been a lot of action in the Cardinals minor league system. There's been, last week we talked at length about the short season clubs and we covered them pretty in depth. There hasn't been a lot of change in a week, uh, not enough that really warrants at length discussion. Um, there's no one hot, really. There's no teams that are hot at the upper levels of minors or at the full season clubs. It's kind of been the status quo over the last week. And so this week, we decided that we would rather talk about the bigger picture and the state of the Cardinals organization as a whole. And to be exact, what a full-scale rebuild would look like from the Cardinals' perspective and whether that's something that's worth pursuing. We're not pursuing this to try to have a hot take theater or just try to get everybody riled up. That's the actually the opposite of what we're trying to do. If anything, that's was a point against talking about this tonight, but there's just something about the way they played. And they're not a terrible team. They're above 500, but they don't seem particularly close to winning the division or a World Series. And so I think that's a good thing to talk about and, and just kind of work through. And I'll let Kyle start it off tonight and, and just – his general feel and, and what he thinks about what a rebuild would look like. Kyle? You're trying to see a lot of a rebuild, it's, it's a tough thing. It's like a tough, it's a tough endeavor. You know, with, in my mind, I, I guess you see the Cardinals, and yeah, they don't have any, like, super elite talent that might fetch, you know, top elite level prospects. But they do have plenty of guys who are potentially replaceable. Now, of course, you're not going to trade any of the young pitching. You know, if Waco is healthy, you wouldn't think about trading him. Uh, he's too affordable, just turned 27 today. Uh, but I guess, like, in my mind, where I would start with the rebuild is you have some outfielders who may or may not be performing or underperforming, and you have outfielders that are, you know, ready to go that you probably could use a little better idea of what they are at the major league level. You know, I, I would start uh, by feeling out what a trade for Tommy Pham and Marcelo Zuna would look like. Of course, that's with the, the, the understanding that for the last month, you've already been feeling out what Dexter Fowler, what a, a trade for Dexter Fowler would cost. And at that point, you know, say that you can move a couple of those guys, uh, maybe get some low-level, high, high upside players in the deal. Uh, then you have Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader, and you might have to run Dexter Fowler out there because it might not be easy to get anyone else to take his contract. Uh, but, you know, you could even put Gyro Munoz out there. Uh, I, what I'm getting at is there are options in the outfield. Like Oscar Mercado would be perfect. Like, if, if 
you're going to start a full-scale rebuild or a partial-scale rebuild, you have the outfield depth to trade what you have in the outfield and have a chance to learn more about the outfielders in your system. And an outfield of uh, O'Neill and left, Bader and right, and Mercado and center, at the very least, would be defensively capable and pretty damn good. Uh, it's just a matter of what it would look like with the bat. And, you know, they all hit in three different spots in the lineup. Harrison Bader's a nice little six-spot hitter, you know. Tyler O'Neill, you want hitting third or fourth. Mercado, you want hitting first or second. Uh, that, that's where I would start. And I, I think from there, you could, you know, you trade some veterans. You'd have immediate replacements that are major league capable, major league ready. And you put yourself on an unusual and somewhat interesting course for free agency entering the offseason. So, I think that, for me personally, the Cardinals have cleared a really big hurdle in the sense that six months ago, a year ago, if you would have talked to me about a rebuild, I would have said no because I don't want to go through a 70-win season, a 75-win season. That just didn't seem palatable enough to where I would keep trying year after year after year, even if we're mediocre like they've been the last couple of years. The other point, and I think other fans are starting to feel that way. Like I tweeted out a poll today that got more reaction than I expected, and it was skewing towards a rebuild, which is kind of what I expected because sometimes on Twitter people get passionate and emotional and we want to burn it all down, and I understand that. But it was still a higher percentage than I thought. And the other thing is is that I think there's enough young pitching with Flaherty and Helsley and Hicks and Gomber and Hudson that they wouldn't completely bottom out like the Royals or the Orioles. They would still be competitive enough to where you might win if everybody plays really well, 80 games. Probably not making playoffs. But you're still saving face, which I think is a big deal to DeWitt because as I think there has to be a little truth to the fact that as, that serious change won't come if they're still drawing as strongly as they did in 2012. But I do think, like we talked earlier, like winning is the reason that people come to the gates, not because of a nice stadium or the history. It ultimately comes down to winning. Oh, God, yeah, it definitely ultimately comes down to winning. And that's a perfect uh, segue. To, we need to realize that the Cardinals are technically above 500. <laughs> and maybe this is how we should have started this. Maybe we should have prefaced it this way. And the Cardinals are technically a winning ball club. You know, we don't view it that way. We view it as the tire fire it is. It's a total, total wreck, and you can see it. Uh but the fact that they still have a 500 record, I believe, changes the urgency level for which they would pursue something like this. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. I'm just saying that that's just what I think is going to happen. And the, the whole, you know, nothing comes before winning thing, it's, it's very, very much true, but it also comes with certain caveats. Uh, one of the things that you and I talked about before we got on the phone was they need to sell their 3 million tickets. Well, that's kind of one of the things about if they did a soft rebuild. They could still, like, they've already sold their 3 million tickets for the year. And sure, I guess, to a way, they in a way, they might be betraying their fan base, but 
their fan base is pretty hot about getting players up that they know and, uh, you know, getting in a position to win next year, which is easily accessible with the free agent class being as talented as it is. Because this might be your last chance at a really, really super talented free agent class, uh, depending on how, you know, the next couple of seasons go. So I, uh, I, it just seems like if the Cardinals were capable of looking past their, uh, their above 500 record, uh, which, again, I don't think that they are. I think that they could really, really put themselves in a position to win long-term uh, uh, better than they are currently constructed. And I also think it's the fact that now there are at least two other teams in the division that not only want to win but are smart enough to win, obviously the Cubs and the Brewers, it changes things a little bit because, I, like, I mean, let's be honest, for until the Cubs tore it all down, there was not a team in the division that could seriously challenge the Cardinals long term. And as and it's one of those scenarios where the model that the front office uses, uh, Derek Gould's talked about at length, of they want to win ninety games. They think if they win ninety games, more times than not they'll be in the playoffs. Meets reality. Because, right, I don't know what they're on pace for. I can't imagine it's 90-plus wins. But if they're in the AL Central, and they're four games up on a division that has no team that's above 500 other than the leader, it looks a lot different. And so, while they might not look like they're far off the goal of 90 wins, when you stack them up against a really good team like the Cubs or the Braves... The Indians aren't really that good of a team. They're eight games above 500 in an awful, awful, terrible division. When you stack them up against the really good teams, you really see what they are. And I just feel like – I told myself coming into this hometown, I said, win both series and I might change my outlook on the team a little bit. And yeah. I looked like, hey, maybe they're a lot better after two games. And then they lose four straight and it's another two and four homestand against good teams – and, okay, maybe you can beat the Reds enough times that you sneak into a wild card game. But ultimately, it's not about making a wild card game. It's about winning the World Series. And I, I think sacrificing the rest of this year might be their best chance to do that. But I, I don't say that from a point of, I hate this team, I hate the manager, just burn it all down. I say that from a, a trying try to be as rational as possible. Like I said, we're not yeah. trying to do hot takes here, but what's the best chance to win another World Series? Yeah, and the Cardinals, the one thing that we've, we've been saying since we started doing the podcast is the organization is top-heavy. So all of, their, all of their potential Major League caliber talent, uh, most of their potential Major League caliber talent is already right there. So it's not like you're you're replacing them with 4A players, although I'm sure there's one 4A player that everyone would love to have come up to the majors and play in Patrick Wisdom. But uh, what I'm getting at is it's just... You mean he's not are, Chris Bryant? Yeah, oh God. It's yeah, incredible. Welcome to my mentions, Colin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, there are guys there. And look, I'm not. those guys are not going to win you 80 games by themselves in a full season. Uh, you know, that would be an incredible, incredible thing. But they're, they're definitely stopgaps. 
you know, as you finish this season that you can learn more about and maybe figure out the guys that you can build around. Uh, you can find out what a half season of Tyler O'Neill is going to look like with a home run to strikeout rate. Because uh, it's only going to get better from here with him. That's, that's my own personal belief. He's not, he's a different, he's just a different piece altogether. Anyways, uh, it's just the option's right, the time is right for it. And all of your points are completely valid about him being good against terrible teams and bad against good teams. What we'll see is, and this is the this is the total about the cart this season. They like sustained terrible stretch. What separated this year from last year is last year they lost seven straight games to the Cubs and the Reds, and then it dipped them below five hundred. The Cardinals haven't had that yet. They've had stretches where they've lost four games where you thought, all right, this is it. They're going to keep losing, and then they don't. What happens this next week is they have the Diamondbacks and then the Giants. Uh, three against the Diamondbacks, four against the Giants. Wait, no, is it? Yeah, and then four against yeah, the Giants. Yeah. That's right. And it's it, my thought is, and great again, I'm one of these people who think that we could, even though they're on the road, we could see a team without Mabry tomorrow. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I I still think that 500 mark is like the breaking point for Mo. I think when they get below 500, I think then you'll see a change. Um, See, and to me, that's, like, such an arbitrary line. Like, take out the record against the Reds, and they're a below 500 team. So why wait for their actual record to be below 500 to make a change? Like, if you, like, we're not in the meetings. We're not working with Mabry. Like, if Mo thinks that there needs to be a change, like, just make a change. Like, don't wait until the record says you need to make a change. For sure, for sure. But keep in mind that, like, picking picking out records, there's always a record that you can pick out to counteract the record you're saying, yeah, sure, they're, they're great against the Reds, you need to take it out that they're bad against everyone else, but they also have the best record against NL Central opponents. And sure, that's aided by the Reds, but they're, as compared to everyone else who is also playing the Reds, uh, they're, they're still the best team against the Central in the Central. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, I know what you mean, but I feel like it goes back to, like, you saw teams in the postseason fire their managers saying, like, we can get better. Like, I know we made the postseason and we won a division, like, we can still improve in this area. So I yeah. don't really understand, like, if you think there's an improvement, and, like, we don't know who the replacement would be, I would assume it would be Mike Budaska, but I don't know that. And so if you think, like, Mike Budaska makes your team better, like, make the change. Like, and you have to, obviously, you have to take into account, like, how that affects the mental side of the game with the players or, or the manager, which... I think is like the I feel like is the thought among everybody is that that's the only reason Mabry's around and maybe it is, and I'm personally I wonder if like if they don't hit 330 with runners in scoring position in 2013, like that's kind of what he hangs his hat on and that was five years ago. Yeah. Like when have they been a above average offensive team since? Uh, been a while. Was 2016 were they in the top half of the league? They hit a lot of runs, but I don't think they scored that many runs. God, I don't even remember. You're asking me at the wrong time for this kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but oh, the, my yeah, point is, like, like yeah, Mabry came in his first year, and they did, like, it, their, their success was such an outlier. And when you look back, as much fun as those runs were from 12 to 15 – Two of them were built on the back of an outlier, and another was built on the back of a super weak division. 13, they hit 330 as a scoring position. 14, the division, I don't think was good at all. The Brewers were good for 
three months and then tanked. And then in 2015, they got pitching that was unbelievable. And ever since then, they've been out of the playoffs. And I don't, maybe I'm late coming around to this. And I think other people have been saying this sooner on Twitter. And I don't know if that's a hot take. But it seems like now they're putting together an average team with a chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs. And there are hamstrings where they draft. I don't know. Maybe. Do you think I'm just frustrated and overreacting right now? I wouldn't say overreacting. You're definitely frustrated. Again, yeah, look, I'm all, on board. I'm all on board for this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think that there's like merit to what, like, what they're doing. I understand it from a business standpoint. You know, uh, look, it's every fan's right to get a little uppity about turning stuff over. Uh, I just, it, it, we decided to make this podcast tonight about what a potential rebuild would look like. And the, the issue is the, the Cardinals aren't going to rebuild until they start losing, and they're not going to start rebuilding until they've, they've exhausted a managerial change. That's just how they, like, they're a very calculated and formulaic team, right. and that's just like that's just what's going to happen. So yes, it's fun. To, it, it's something we're talking about because our frustrations are boiling over, and it's it's something that makes sense. But especially because they had success after making a change last year, uh, they're they're not going to just blow up that pattern. They'll try they'll try to repeat the success of how it went last year uh, by the formula that was created last year. You know, like. They're, they're not just going to while out. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so the question becomes, you know, it, numbers <laughs> numbers by design are arbitrary. You know what I mean? Like war. We set war at 100, and it's, but it's an, an you know, and now we even set war at 100, I'm sorry, but we, you know, we, we give that an arbitrary number, whatever placement level player is. And, you know, the, the number changes every year, and it, it goes up and down, but what I'm getting at, what I was getting at with the records is, there's always something to look at that you can formulate an argument around on the other end. And that's, that's where the Cardinals are. Like, why 500? Why would that be it? Because that's a winning record and a losing record. It's just, that's the difference. Like, that's, that's just how I view it. Now, again, we could be proven wrong. By the time they get to Arizona tomorrow, uh, by the time we're talking about pregame warm-ups, we could have a completely different narrative to push about a coaching staff and or a coach or whatever. Uh, I think that that only happens if the Cardinals are in town. You know, we'll see. I just know today was brutal, and I know the weekend was brutal, and I know that after they played really good uh, for a short period of time, they played worse this weekend than they had the weekend before. Like, and it, it was just brutal. I don't think this weekend was as alarming because there weren't the errors and there, weren't the, there wasn't the... Carlos Martinez, like, falling off the mound and throwing one to the dugout. But they were just completely outclassed. Like, by a bunch of super young guys, you know? Like, it, it used to be, like, a few years ago, I remember when Billy Hamilton was, was first coming into the league. And Billy Hamilton wasn't a good hitter when he came into the league. But when Adam Wainwright faced him on opening day, I think it was 2014, like, he made him look stupid because he was, he was young and he was inexperienced and Wayne Rant was the veteran that would exploit those things. And that used to be, like, who the Cardinals were, right? And, like, that 
this this time around, it's like no, they're actually like just way more talented than you, and it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. I I don't want to be the hot take guy. Like I've tried really hard not to be that guy, but I just like I don't see how you get to the point where you're consistently the favorite in the division, and you're consistently the best team in the division by staying down the current path. That's that's pretty much where I'm at, and maybe they do. Maybe maybe they find some way. Like I would think a rebuild that they would do would look a lot like the Yankees, where they don't tank, but they also are very aggressive in that they're going to pursue elite prospect-level talent. And they don't have someone to trade away like a role as Chapman. But I, I wonder if maybe a package of guys. I don't know. I like I I I looked at my brothers today and I was like, this is not as much like it used to be so much fun to watch a game, and it's not anymore. And I I just want to get back to that honestly more than anything. Yeah, I think that's where we're all at too. I uh, the other thing that's worth bringing up is the Cardinals have a lot of dead weight kind of on their roster, right? Like it's not not necessarily dead weight. That's not the fair way of putting it. I guess. Inefficient weight? Yeah, yeah. I just view it as everyone loves Harrison Bader. I get it. But one thing I'm bullish on right now is you just you give you give Tyler O'Neill the month of July. That gives you know, at the very least you get halfway through the month and you can raise that. You could get you could get a situation where it's like Randall Gritchick in twenty fifteen and they just are way better than what they actually are. And you can carry a you can carry a team for a month. But that's part of the issue is do you necessar- are you necessarily running out your best lineup with what you have in the organization every day? And I think to be argued that they are not. And that's, that helps fuel all of this frustration, right? Like, it helps fuel the frustration. And then you think, all right, well, if they're not willing to run out their lineup, their best lineup every day, then why are they willing, like, why wouldn't they be willing to just trade all these people off? Like, if, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, Yes, I do think there is a through line there. Even if people don't necessarily articulate it, it's a, well, okay, if I'm going to pay money to go to a game and not think that you're going to run out your best time to win that game, why not just trade everybody and win in two years? That works for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know, like you go to a game. I've only gone to one game this year. I'll probably only go to one game this year. And that's the fewest games I've ever gone to in my life. I could have gone to the game today. But you know what I mean? Like, you just had that feel like it's not worth – like, for me, I got to drive four hours. Like, it's not worth driving four hours there and back in one day to go watch this team. And a few years ago, I would have said yes, no doubt about it. And, I like, that to me was like, wow, something has changed, you know? Like, in – I, I don't know. I I haven't brought a whole lot of analysis. I just I brought a lot of frustration. And yeah. I've like looked to you to like be like the intelligent person in this conversation. But well, that's going to be a disaster. <laughs> that's one thing that I do not possess. And, but honestly, like, who has won the World Series in the last five years without tanking? Uh, uh, is what year is it? Is it twenty eighteen? It's twenty eighteen. So seventeen. What's I guess the I mean the, the easy answer is the the Red Sox in thirteen. They didn't. They had never. They didn't like tank. No, I mean like they know? were last place the year before, but that's not like far enough in the past to affect. Yeah, no, but honestly, I mean when you when you when you look at it that way, that's probably the best example of like what the Cardinals could do because 
The Red Sox didn't have like a long, and we said the Yankees. Well, they fired their manager after 2012. That's, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was getting at. Like, you can look at that that 2012 entering 2013 Red Sox team is probably the most accurate template. Now, you're also going to need to spend money in the offseason. That's that's one of the big things. Like, that's just one of the sacrifices you're going to have to make. Uh, I don't, like, the Yankees, because they're more recent, I understand where people say it, but that was a pretty talent, like, that was a super talented roster. They had a lot of guys which, to trade, like, and the Cubs were willing enough to give up whatever the Yankees wanted for Chapman. The Cardinals yeah. don't have that player, and they don't have that buyer that is there really ready to hand over anything. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, I just, you know, that, that, going back, and it might be worth looking at that and writing an article about that if anyone had time. Uh, I don't. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and just like, Maybe that is more of the, the template. Uh, but, you know, I guess the Royals, that doesn't count right because they were such a shitty franchise. That, that was all so of a sudden, stupid. The, the fact that the Royals made two consecutive World Series. They had no yeah. pitching. They had no, like, stud offensive player. But they just had a lockdown bullpen and they could catch the ball. And I hated those two years. I hated the Royals. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the Giants. That, Their, that fans the Their fans are the worst. Their fans are the absolute worst. Yeah. I love the Giants. I don't have any problem with the Giants at all. The, my only problem with the Giants is, like, the Cardinals couldn't be the best team in the National League because the Giants won the World Series three times. And, like, it wasn't a, like unfair argument. Like, yeah, they won more World Series. Like, I get it. But I was like, you guys have to win it again, honestly. But... But but hold on again. This is more about learning lessons from the past. Like that's that's what I'm trying to do here. Is if there's one thing that the Giants sustained success in the early part of this decade shows us is that I mean there's a serious ebb and flow, uh, you know, peaks and valleys, and you do have to kind of valley out, reassess, adjust, and then like. Not make super drastic changes if you were a super can't like a, a good team, but you have to make the right changes in order to make it work. Now everyone knows Bruce Bochy is a good coach. He still does it, just like every coach, because being a coach is a tough thing. Uh, he still does some weird stuff, and he doesn't always like he doesn't always put his team in the best position to win. He does it more than a lot of other managers do. But those Giants teams and their success, they had great pitching. And then just like with the Royals, they, they ran the bases well and they played good defense and that got them where they needed to be. And they had timely hitting. And that's like, you need to build around that. That needs to be the Cardinals' core change. They're, they're a good team. It's just as, in, I, I think yeah. you're right. As, as much as we talk about like, there's roster, um, what's the word everybody uses? Like inefficiencies sure. and like duplications and like, oh. it's not like, like, you know, like, you have, like, a several corner infielders, that whole scenario. Like, it's not that – it's not that the, their roster makeup is any different than any other team, right? Like, Jose Martinez is the first baseman. Matt Carpenter is the third baseman. Jed Jerko is the utility corner infielder can play second. When Paul Jones your shortstop, Colton Long is your second baseman. Greg Garcia is your utility infielder. Like, that's all normal. The difference is, is that – not very many of those guys are good defenders. And yeah. so it looks like they're all being outplayed out of position 
When the fact of the matter is, like, anywhere you put him, like, maybe Matt Carpenter at first base is average. But overall, like, Jose Martinez isn't going to be a good defender anywhere you put him. And if you think putting the lineup is your best option, fine. Right? But we all talk about, like, oh, it's the roster makeup. Like, it's roster clutter. Like, just trade this one guy and it fixes it. Like, okay, so you trade Wong. Well, now your infield's a whole lot worse because now you're playing Jerko a second every day. Like, it's I, – I really think, like, it stems from the fact that, like, they have a lot of good players and not a lot of players that do everything well. And so how do you acquire someone that does everything well and, like, resets the whole table and the yeah. whole way the lineup yeah. and the team looks? Okay, free agency, not looking good. People don't want to come to St. Louis. I don't care why. It doesn't matter why to me. They don't seem to want to come to St. Louis, so don't count on that. Trades, maybe, okay? Like, show me who you're going to trade for right now. I don't see anyone out there. So then how do you draft a player like that? Well, you don't draft them like that at 20 overall, 19 overall. And I think you need that type of player to make it to the World Series. And I think that is pretty much what I was trying to get at today. Yeah. If you... Show me a way that you can acquire that type of player. If you can show me how you get a Bryce Harper or a Francisco Lindor or a Chris Bryant, someone like that, someone who looks like Albert Pujols in the middle of the lineup or in the field or whatever, then I'm open to it. I just think your best bet right now is to, is to, is to do a rebuild. That's where yeah. I'm at right now, and that might be irrational and overreaction, but that's what I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think the I, now, if you say if you were to just say, I think they need to blow it all up. That's that's very much reactionary. But I think when you start articulating your points, then it, it's less reactionary, and you can see the method behind it. And, and that's that's the important thing. I, you know, you, you bring up a good point. That it, it doesn't seem like they have like even Tommy Pham. Like when Tommy Pham's on, he's still like a questionable base runner. Because he's so aggressive, it gets him in trouble. He can be a good defender, and he'll hit the ball, but it's just like it never comes around. When, when you bring up that, like, and again, it's going to be really interesting when Paul DeYoung comes back. God. But, uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm open to that. But he, I mean, you got like two weeks of Paul DeYoung, and then you got to start making decisions. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, but I, see, I'm like, I'm like you, if, that's exactly what the Cardinals will do. Very well, important. And, and I understand that. I'm not saying they should have traded everybody yesterday. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, at some point, like, a decision has to be made. Like, what direction are they going? Anyways, that's exactly what the Cardinals will do. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I want to see action before then. Something needs to change. And it's not even, a, like, not only with a manager. A manager isn't enough. Something on the roster needs to change. And everyone's writing right now, whether it be a on blogs or on professional newspaper websites, that one move isn't going to do it. But one move will change the dynamic, and the dynamic needs to be changed. And, you know, I just, something something other than a managerial change needs to happen. And yes, I personally believe that Mr. McKinney should be fired. I personally believe that John Mabry should have been let go months ago. Uh, I understand why neither have happened. And I get the business thinking behind it. I just think it's time that the dominoes start to fall instead of, you know, 
kicking the, they're kicking the can. They're, they kick the can down the road, and it's understandable. But yeah. that's essentially what they do. Yeah, that's it. So, I, I think my last point is I. This was more therapeutic for me than anyone else listening, but I hope you found it entertaining. Um, my last point is, as much as like we want to point to like the 2011 team, and they came back from 10 and a half games back, and the 2016, they won 83 games. And those were the two World Series winners in my lifetime. When you look back at the teams that win the World Series, and that should be the goal, they had a core of studs. Pools, Holiday, Berkman, Carpenter. Pools, Edmonds, Roland, Carpenter. Ozzie Smith on Bruce Suter on the 82 team. You go back to the 60s, it's Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and those guys. And before that, it's Musial. I think it's. I think we've sort of tricked ourselves with the numbers into thinking you can take a bunch of slightly above average players and build a team that wins a World Series. But that's not a very good way to do that, even if you can. And I think that the mindset needs to be reset as to how do we acquire not just a team that could make the playoffs, but a team that will make the playoffs and could win the World Series. And I think that's that's all I have. I I don't know. I think I'm as frustrated as anybody. But I see you. <laughs> If you could see my mentions on Twitter, you would understand that you're not nearly as frustrated as a lot a lot of people. Well, I think I got a taste of that today when I was told Patrick Wisdom, just call out Patrick Wisdom, and he'll be in the same class as Lindor and Brian, all those guys. I I frankly I didn't know what to say. I like just watch Patrick Wisdom play. I love Patrick Wisdom. But that's not who he is. Um, like, you, know what, you know what would be horrible, though? Patrick you know, Wisdom would, knows that that's not who Patrick Wisdom is, okay? Well, no, I'd just be like, there would be nothing more Cardinals to the rest of the world than if the Cardinals were to trade everyone, and then Patrick Wisdom comes up and has, like, the best two and a half months. And, like, you know, he's like... Like, all leads, of a sudden, him, like leads him through October? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like a four-war player in like it's two so, months. Like, it's so weird, like the perception, like, and this is like a whole another podcast. Like the perception from the outside of the Cardinals and like the perception of Cardinals fans. Because, like, as much as I love the 2011 team and will always love David Freeze and Ryan Terrio and all those guys, like, that was just a flash in a pan. And the same with 2006. Like, 2014 was, like, a lot closer to what the Cardinals actually were in that time. But, like, the outside world was, like, somehow, some way, the Cardinals will win this game. And, like, I I wish I could have that mindset, honestly. I wish I could. It'd, be, it'd make watching the games a lot easier for me. <laughs> That's good. That's it. it. But, you know, also, not to... I'm I'm not critical. Like I'm not afraid to be critical of the Cardinal fan base, but I do believe that this is this is the same thing with every fan base. It's easy to find the stat lines at the minor league level, and there people oh, are still one hundred percent. You got to watch the games. Yeah, well, not only that, but people still only look at batting average and home runs and RBIs and runs. Like you could argue that three of those 
four stats that I just listed off don't matter at all. And you could say that, you know, like, people look at that stuff still, and that doesn't tell you nearly the whole story. So when they see that he's hit, you know, 300 for the month of June, and he's had, you know, he's hitting for power and all that, that they see that and they think, oh, this is a guy who we've heard about, we know he plays good defense because everybody's written that he's played good defense, and we've heard articles about him and how he's the long shot candidate, and I just think that it's a, he's a, those players are baseball stories, and every fan base feels those. Every fan base gets excited about those. It's easy to root for those guys. Uh, but Here's what I'll know. say about the monthly splits. Look at Marcelo Zuna's numbers for June, and tell me how you feel when he comes up to the plate right now. Because those two things don't match up. Like, one super good week can make your whole numbers for a month look good. Like, when Marcelo Zuno comes up right now, like, I, I, I don't feel good. Like, I, he's been good in June overall, granted. Like, I don't feel that way in June. So, like, when you look at the splits of a minor leaguer, like, understand, one, that's coming at a lower level against worse competition. And, two, one week can just completely blow up those numbers. And so... Like, there's a reason that everybody passed on Patrick Wisdom. I don't want to pick on Patrick Wisdom right now, but that's been the example lately. And, yeah. Like, everybody passed on him, guys. Like, that tells you a lot. Yeah. So that's it. It's a dire situation for the Cardinals right now, and more than likely they're going to end up sweeping this next week, and we're all going to be scratching our heads. Right. And, like, I think I'm honestly getting to the point where, like, before, like, they could have a good series, and, like, all right, they've turned it around. That wasn't them. Like, that's all gone for me. Like, even after the two, the game against Kluber, I was like, all right, we'll see what you do tomorrow. And then come talk to me. But, uh, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see. So, Kellen, my last question to you before we wrap this thing up is, do you think we'll see a coaching change in any capacity this week? This week? This week. I will always put my money on the Colonels kicking the can down the road. Fair so, enough. I'm going to say no. I... I would like to see it. But like you said, I think that being away from home, I think right now we're late enough into the season that they would wait until the All-Star break. Um, and, yeah, I think, it, I think it would happen at the All-Star break if it does. I think, I think that you see what the Cardinals are capable of when they have a good approach and they don't consistently have a good approach. And I think that goes back to the hitting coach. Um, against Kluber, they fought their butts off with two strikes. They went up there thinking, I'm not going to strike out. They had four two-strike hits in the first two innings, and Kluber was frustrated. Like Now, he probably didn't have his best stuff, but he was frustrated. He couldn't put guys away. away. Munoz was just poking balls down the line. They just would not strike out. They might have some stupid pop-ups or some weekly hit-ground balls, but they were not striking out. And it just doesn't seem like that, that there's that – a coherent approach consistently. And I think that goes that is what comes down to the hitting coach. Even if like if guys are underperforming, I don't think that's always the hitting coach's fault. I don't think Dexter Fowler's situation is necessarily Mabry's fault. I just think you see a lot of approaches on a nightly basis that just lack of approach is more apropos. I just don't think there's always an approach of how we're gonna win the game on that day. And I think that comes down to the hitting coach. And so I think there should be a change. I don't. I think if it does happen, it'll happen at the All Star break. I think at best it's still fifty fifty. Yeah, and sometimes you, 
calling it for a long time so I guess some people will be happy on Twitter I you know I'm always skeptical of if coaching changes make a big difference like I don't think the coaching changes last year were the reasons why they were better in the second half but maybe it will be so that's where we're at right now uh, it doesn't seem like long ago where the idea of, fire, of like calling for coaches firings was like even on the table yeah. that wasn't that long ago but that's where we are it happens fast in the world of sports, man. Yeah, you're right. That's all I have. You good? Yeah, brother, I'm good. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Prospect Your Name Later. This one's been a little different than all the rest. Uh, you know, a combination of reasons or why. But it, uh, usually we talk about the minors. And so if that's what you came here for, then uh, feel free to check out our past episodes. Kyle's got uh, Prospects After Dark during the week, so keep posted for when that uh, is coming up this week. Uh, we got content over at Birds on the Black. That's where Kyle's at. And I'm now going to be at Cards Conclave. For any of the older stuff I've written, it's over at Redbird Daily. And uh, I'm going to start uh, kind of giving an update on our top 30 prospects. So stay posted for that. Um, I'm on Twitter at ColinGarner22. And Kyle's on Twitter at KyleR416. I'm sure you already follow him. Uh, stay posted for our episodes. Please subscribe and review the podcast if you have time. We'd greatly appreciate it. This has been a... Episode of Prospect to be named later. Talk to you soon.